it's a bird, it's a plane. Oh, no, that's just America in flames and in free fall. And in Rochester, New York, who knew that Frederick Douglass was the source of all of our racial animus, since people are knocking down and vandalizing his statue on July 5th in the year 2020, on the 168th anniversary of his speech, one of his most famous, What to the Slave is the Fourth of July? We'll discuss these topics and more on today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to Pop Into Politics, Episode 4. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This is Colby here. I hope everyone had a safe and restorative, socially distanced Independence Day. Hopefully, we had our hot dogs in our respective corners, six feet apart. But judging by behavior from Memorial Day and our COVID numbers and what I've seen on television, that seems doubtful. Also, hopefully now that the 4th has passed, we can all put the fireworks away. Not sure if this was just a New York City thing or what, but we've been setting off the fireworks here for weeks before the 4th and past the 4th. So yes, time to move on from that, folks. Yeah, time to move on from that. (laughs) I would like to get to sleep. Anyway, I've got my drink ready. It's an old-fashioned today, folks. It's kind of a broke-down old-fashioned. I'm missing my orange slice and cherry, but never mind all that. It'll get the job done and put some hair on my chest. But before I get into today's episode, America in Free Fall, and why I'm calling it that, it's time for a little housekeeping, some items to keep in your mental filing cabinet. America, girl, you know your house ain't been right. Now get it together. Okay, so housekeeping people. America needs to get its act together. It's filthy, or our moral compass at best is lost and gone astray. Number one, the Supreme Court on Thursday ruled 7-2 to two that the Manhattan District Attorney's Office can review the president's tax returns. Imagine that. Great day, great day for America. It would have been lovely if the justices had been a little more ballsy and just ruled directly themselves for him to show his tax returns, but we can settle for it being sent back to the lower courts. Again, the president is not above the law. You read John Roberts' opinion. The president is, quote, every man, and every man includes the president. And so we're entitled to see his record. So let's see what happens on the lower courts, who I suspect will rule in the same way. Unfortunately, it just seems like this will take some time for us, more time, to be able to uh, go ahead and see what this man has been trying to hide for so long. Number two, the Arctic is experiencing a heat wave. Temperatures in parts of Siberia are hitting 100 degrees Fahrenheit, and there are wildfires. This uh, happened last year. And with all issues, it seems like uh, surrounding climate change, it seems like each year continues to get worse. I'm going to play Al Roker for a minute, attempt to be a little weatherman here, because it seems as though Americans only care about issues if it directly affects them and it's right in front of their faces at all times. This has become a dirty word in the era of Trump, but science, science, I'm going to talk a little bit about science. The Arctic and what happens in the Arctic is believed to affect the jet stream, which affects our weather here in the States. So too much rain or not enough rain or the jet stream stalling over certain areas, which could cause flooding and other issues. I'm really simplifying this and trying to dumb it down. But this planet, the only planet that we have to live on, 
and what we're doing to it or not doing to it really is going to affect us all. And talk about chaos. If we don't address this climate crisis in a way that is meaningful and seriously, we're going to see chaos in ways, displacement, food shortages, job loss, all sorts of things if we don't get this issue um, together. So I know there's a lot going on, but this is something that we should still try to pay attention to from time to time. Not even time to time. When Bernie Sanders was running, and I was not a Bernie supporter, but I think that one of the things that he mentioned was that this was really the issue of our time. I don't have children, but I do think about my nieces and nephews and people having kids and and knowing that, okay, well, in theory, they will live at least to the year 2100, which seems far away, but we are not leaving them a planet that is going to be very comfortable or habitable. And I'll never forget Senator James Inhofe from Oklahoma going to the Senate floor in 2014, a climate change denier. He's from Oklahoma, and so that's probably not shocking with oil and gas being so big down there. But going to the Senate floor and holding up a snowball as proof that there was no climate change, no problem. Oklahoma, when the wind comes sweeping around the plain. That is actually one of my favorite musicals. But I hope that Oklahomans aren't this stupid. In episode two, I discussed competitive Senate races. Oklahoma, sadly, isn't one of them. And that senator is running again as we speak in 2020. His seat is up. It's not competitive, and he probably definitely will get his seat. Oh, if I say that out loud, that probably might give me bad karma. But he is 85. 85. I want to say maybe the COVID will get him. I shouldn't say that. That's bad. Ugh, what the hell? I'll leave it in. I try not to be ageist, but yeah, he's 85. It's time for him to go. And we need some new blood, some new ideas, and people with different sense of moral clarity, I guess. And not to just pick on James because he's a Republican. There are a lot of senators who are old as dirt. Uh, so Diane Feinstein, Chuck Grassley from Iowa, who looks like the damn Crypt Keeper. They need to go because I do think that's also part of the problem in our politics. Just people have been around too long. No new ideas, new ways of doing things. And even Nancy Pelosi, who I adore, she's 80. Uh, but when we're done with this cycle, it's time for her to teach the younger generation, pass the torch. She needs to go to, you know, ideally we would keep the house first. And I think Nancy can ensure that that happens. But yeah, it's time for people to go off the shady pines. Shady pines, ma. Shady pines for those who love the golden girls like I do. I understand how the Senate works and the importance of seniority. And when you think of senators, ideally, they should become some sort of expert on something or a specific committee. So if you think about the late Senator Kennedy on health care or Senator McCain in armed services, these people, they were experts on those issues. But maybe we do need to term limit uh, our senators specifically, because clearly people aren't wise enough to vote these folks out specifically in the Senate. The Senate term is six years. You get three terms and you're done. 18 years and that's it. That's more than enough time for people to be corrupt and kind of fuck us over in the country and align their pockets, right? 18 years and then you have to go. And you don't have to go home, but you have to get the hell off of Capitol Hill. So um, that's actually not a housekeeping item as much as it is my opinion. But at either rate, be paying attention to climate issues. That was uh, number two. And number three, and this will be the last housekeeping item, the president is coming after you, you guys and TikTok. He's coming after your TikTok, y'all. He's going to kill your grandma. 
maybe kill you too during coronavirus. And he's going to take away your ability to dance. So get your stanky leg on, do the tootsie roll, whatever dance y'all are doing now. I think I'm aging myself dating myself here. I don't know if people are still super soaking. I don't know what the kids are doing nowadays, but get your dances in now. Now, two of my friends, uh, they know who they are, were trying to get me to download TikTok. And I decided not to download TikTok because my bones are already beginning to snap, crackle, and pop like it's a bowl of Rice Krispies. I do a lot of solo dance parties during these quarantine times, but I was not willing to put myself out there for them to see me. So I declined. Um, but all jokes aside, there apparently is a security concern with the app. It's a Chinese-owned company, and the tracking, my understanding, virtually of everything on your your phone, your location, which is being sent back consistently, and so on and so forth. But here's the thing. I wish we had a president and a government where we could believe them on matters of national security and intelligence. They only seem to be concerned about China. China and Chinese governments, which is beginning to seem a little racist at best, or because Trump doesn't have any personal financial interests. You know, the only threat apparently to us is China, which is kind of bullcrap. What about all the concerns and all the information we have about our security regarding Russia? We have tons of intelligence concerns about that, from election meddling to this bounty scandal, which really should be a scandal, or the Saudis chopping up Jamal Khashoggi and stuffing him in a duffel bag. There's lots of things that we should be concerned about, and I'm not always sure why China seems to be the only thing that the President of the United States is focused on, other than the fact that he ran on that So be careful with your TikTok. That's probably something people should be paying attention to and and how our data and information is being gathered, used. But at the same time, I do feel like with this administration are things that we need to take slightly with a grain of salt. So that concludes my housekeeping segment. So on today's episode, America in free fall, and I say that with a heavy heart, I think four episodes in, maybe I should talk about what it is I admire or respect about America or how I view this country. First and foremost, number one, not perfect. We have an ugly history in a variety of areas. But when you think back to the late 18th century upon this country's founding, the idea that men, individuals, that there were individual rights, some of which were the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that idea truly, in my mind, is and was revolutionary. If you would have circled the globe during that time, you wouldn't have found a democracy and certainly not one founded on principles of individual rights or restraining the government. And the idea of defying a monarch for whatever the reason, the idea that people should have representation in their government, all of those things really were remarkable ideas for the time. Now we know, we already know before someone leaves me a comment or says something. They were not talking about women. They were not talking about black people. They were not talking about indigenous people or gay people. They were not talking about people, uh, about young people. Hell, they really weren't even talking about poor, illiterate white people. But it was a start. And I do think it was a revolutionary idea for the time. And I think it's easy, especially through the lens of 2020, to dismiss that idea. When I look at our history, and maybe this is Pollyanna of me, I've always felt that America has continued to press forward to enshrine more rights for more people, usually fought tooth and nail, but pushing forward nonetheless, that we are a leader in the world. One thing that I love about New York City is that I've literally met people, such industrious, smart, hardworking people from all over the world, 
So I've loved the diversity of this country. I love the fact that we are one of the most diverse countries on the planet. When you think about the United States and our role in the 20th century, there again, there's always something you can look to in the United States that's like, oof, that, that wasn't good. But we also did a lot of good on the world stage. And so that I've been proud of. And the fact that I used to think we were a country that believed in science and innovation. So that's kind of my kind of Colby view of the country, or at least historically. And now it's 2020. Here we are, fast forward. And here we are on two fronts. And I feel like these these matters are connected in regards to race and just basic scientific fact. And we're moving backwards, being dragged backwards, frankly, by our president and with a large enough segment of people seemingly willing to follow him at the expense and detriment to us all. And they're doing it proudly. I feel like there's always been shameful things in America's past or present, but it's not something that it seems like people hold up. Yes, again, so proudly and starting with the president uh, of the United States. So the America and free fall kind of idea really ties back to COVID. And so I think I already mentioned this, but I'm recording this on Thursday, July 9th. And as of today, there are 3.1 million cases of coronavirus in the United States, which is just crazy to me. Cases are growing in 40 of the 50 states. There have been 134,000 deaths. And on our current trajectory, models are predicting about 200,000 deaths by November. Now, I'm sitting here and I can imagine some idiotic bubblegum bastard telling me, well, people die from the flu and car accidents. I get that. I I, I get that. But one of the things I'm not going to sit here and try to defend every idiotic thing I've heard. But as a nation, we don't sit by idly and do nothing on those two fronts. Just those two stupid examples. So first of all, with the flu, there is a vaccine every year (laughs) that people can take. And normally in any given year, flu deaths have ranged from a low of 12,000 all the way up to 56,000 deaths. And it isn't a surge in our medical facilities, a burden that cannot be handled. And the coronavirus is obviously much more contagious than the flu. The car accident excuse, I, I don't understand why people are still saying that out loud, like in public where people can hear them. I mean, it's shocking that people would say that, and it makes my brain hurt so much, my eyes cross and get stuck. But if we're going to even use the car example, we have seatbelts, speed limits, airbags, we inspect cars. There are things that we do to try to limit the dangers of being in an automobile. And it goes on and on. But the point of all of that is, is we don't just throw our hands up and do nothing about these things. And yes, we're all going to die at some point of something, But I would like it to be, well, for me personally, I would like it to be of a natural cause and not something that's avoidable. So here we are with a new virus. We have no vaccine. We know it's contagious. We don't have an exact treatment. And the only thing we need to do is to wear masks, not gather in large groups, and stay at home if you can, and watch Netflix, play games, read a book, get on Pornhub. I don't know what you need to do, but there are options. I don't feel like we're being asked to, you know, none of these things feel like the sacrifice of the century. Uh, Certainly, it's inconvenient for people who have lost their jobs. That certainly is terrible that everyone is not fortunate, uh, maybe to work from home. But again, it's not as if we're being asked to do much. This isn't 1940s London with the blitz bearing down on us and you're hiding out in the tube from German bombardment. Scientists and reasonable people are asking folks to cover their damn mouths with a mask. And we have a president who refuses to tell the country that in plain English. 
And a large enough segment of politicians and people who enable him are following him with this, as well as a group of people who have so perverted this idea of freedom, freedom, of freedom, America, that they're willing to put themselves and others at risk. And it's very hard for me to understand. And being here in New York, I mean, let's see if I would actually sit here and do this very quickly. I mean, I think at this point, and not all New Yorkers, but I know at least 10 people who have died from, or know of, who have died from coronavirus, and I know many more who have been sick. So it's a real thing, and I, I just don't get it. And then the United States, the richest nation on the face of the earth, is in the club right now with Russia and Brazil in terms of cases and deaths. So when I look at all of that and thinking about the United States, I just would have never thought that this country would be in this place. And so the only thing I could think to say is, yeah, America is in free fall. No reasonable country or government will have us. So even those of us who might say, deuces, I'm out. It's time for me to go. You know, because I love those people. Well, if you don't like it, leave. Well, I can't leave. No one will take me. The rest of the world is looking at us as diseased, idiotic pariahs. Oh, and it's a pandemic. And so we have a president who decides that this is the time right now. This is the time to withdraw and pull out from the World Health Organization. So, yeah, America is in trouble, a state of moral decline. And there's people who are going to die from this who do not need to die because asshats won't put on a mask and sit the hell down. Meanwhile, as cases surge, for anyone who's reading, here we go again. PPE, gowns, hair covers, shoe covers, masks, N95 masks, all the things that we would need if you're sick and you need to go to a hospital. That the people who are there to save us and keep us healthy, we're not going to give them the things that they need. So the president, or should we call him Nero, Fiddling while Rome burns is busy tweeting about the Redskins and Confederate statues and just just nonsense. And people are still following him. I mean, he still has followers and believers, and it is shocking to me. So I didn't know what else to call the podcast except America in Freefall. And while all of this is happening, if we were to think of America as a patient, the issue of race would be our pre-existing condition. Let's say it's diabetes. Let's think about race like it's diabetes. And if the president were a doctor, instead of prescribing a healthy diet, some exercise, maybe some medication, he tells the patient to pig out, sit on their ass, and just be the way they are and the way they've always been. That's what I hear when he defends things like the Washington Redskins and their stupid racist title and or goes to Mount Rushmore and goes and does a rally on uh, stolen land that people have expressed uh, mean something to them for him not to do. But as the president, he goes ahead and he does it anyway. No issue has positively bedeviled the United States, like race. I'm saying that in my best Moira Rose, Schitt's Creek voice, Catherine O'Hara, for all the fans out there will know that, like the issue of race from the founding of this country until today. And there are going to be many opinions, some valid, some not valid, but a discussion needs to be fostered, an honest dialogue, and this man is incapable, unwilling, or unable, or all of the above to have this discussion. But actually, I think it's just because he, it's not even about him being unwilling. I think he's racist, and he thrives on the division. I always have to remind myself, this is the man to this day who will not apologize to the Central Park Five for taking out ads calling for their execution when we know, we now know at least, that they were innocent. And that's in 2020. He will not apologize for that. So when he gets up and he talks about our heritage, I'm sure that many of us, I certainly probably am not the 
power that he's talking about. But I believe him about his desire to protect heritage, a certain type of heritage for certain people. And it's just, it's really sad to have a president who doesn't even attempt to lead for everyone. And I'm going to need to have a sip of my drink on that one. Ooh, okay. So I understand we're having a debate about all of our former leaders and their policies at the moment. But for whatever people think about Lincoln, there was one thing he was definitely right about. And that is the idea that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And we're seeing that with the COVID crisis, on issues of race, the climate crisis. If this country, the United States, is unable to reach a consensus on something as simple as putting on a mask to cover your nasty germ-ridden face so others can live, how on earth are we going to be able to solve any of the large issues of the day that are facing this country and the division that we have? Which brings me to Frederick Douglass. Brings me to Frederick Douglass, and again, in the way issues of race are discussed and handled in this country. Ironically, I had planned to do an episode about Mr. Douglass and his bravery and speaking truth to power. But because I do this podcast, or at least post it on Mondays, just the schedule, I realized that the fourth will have passed by the time I was going to do it. And so I thought, well, that doesn't seem timely. And so then I just had planned to move on to other things. And then, you know, I wake up, it's July 5th, and I'm looking at the news, and I see that they have destroyed his monument in Rochester, New York. And so I thought, you know what, I feel like that's a sign from the universe that I do need to talk about Mr. Douglas, because clearly there are people who are upset or angry about the ideas uh, that he represented. So I am going to talk about him today and his speech that he gave on July 5th in 1852, which we call the meaning of July 4th for the Negro, or today I should say we call it what to the slave is the 4th of July. So for those of you who don't know kind of the background, my understanding is that he was invited to give a speech uh, to a group of abolitionists in Rochester, New York, and to talk about Independence Day, the 4th. He does not give the speech on July 4th. He gives the speech on July 5th. And that seems like it was intentional. I have read this over the last week or two now several, several times because the language, he's obviously talking about slavery, but the language feels so fitting to the moment that we're in here in 2020 and Black Lives Matter and just kind of the, the injustice that still kind of pervades this country. So I'm going to just read a few of my favorite parts. I mean, again, this is not the entire speech. I would encourage people, if you you know don't remember it from maybe history class growing up, or if you've never read it, to go and, and take a look because it's really profound. And again, thinking about leaders and people we should be proud of who, again, speak truth to power, this to me is like a masterclass in that. So I'm going to start. And again, I will not keep you guys very long, but I think it is worth uh, hearing. Fellow citizens, pardon me. Allow me to ask... Why am I called upon to speak here today? What have I, or those I represent, to do with your national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? And am I, therefore, called upon to bring our humble offering to the national altar and to confess the benefits and express devout gratitude for the blessings resulting from your independence to us? Would to God, both for your sakes and ours, and an affirmative answer could be truthfully returned to these questions. Then would my task be light and my burden easy and delightful. But such is not the state of the case. I say it with a sad sense of the disparity between us, 
I am not included within the pale of glorious anniversary. Your high independence only reveals the immeasurable distance between us. The blessings in which you, this day, rejoice are not enjoyed in common. The rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, not by me. The sunlight that brought light and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. This 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice. I must mourn. What to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer, a day that reveals to him, more than all other days in the year, the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham, your boasted liberty, an unholy license, your national greatness, swelling vanity, your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless, your denunciation of tyrants, brass-fronted impudence, your shouts of liberty and equality, hollow mockery, your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings, with all your religious parade and solemnity, are, to him, mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy, a thin veil to cover up crimes which would disgrace a nation of savages. There is not a nation on the earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of the United States at this very hour. He says a lot more than that. And again, like I said, he's obviously talking about slavery. But when we fast forward to 2020 and even the swelling vanity, our boastfulness, there are things that he's talking about here that go beyond just <laughs> issues of race, but it gets into kind of America's character, uh, the fabric of this country and who some of us are. It's a really, really powerful speech. And people, whomever knocked down that statue on the 5th, certainly, I think, understood the power of, again, of this man's words and what he represents. Now, I, of course, would say, while we're upset about Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson, and I, I don't know who else, but I think America needs to reexamine who their heroes are and whose heritage they want to hold up. So I just thought that I would take a minute to, yeah, to read some of that. But again, please, 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 as we're talking about all trying to educate ourselves more, it is very, very powerful. So whew, I think that's it for today. I may need some more bourbon. I don't want to end on such a heavy note. The goal of this is to talk about politics, which I love, history, which I love, but in a way that does not make people despair. And so again, I'm going to channel Moira Rose, the great Catherine O'Hara. If anyone has not watched Shit's Creek, you need to. But I don't want to be burdened with this emotional cargo. I promise that that'll be my last Shit's Creek reference for the day. But I genuinely hope that everyone goes out into the world trying to do good where they can, speaking out on issues that matter to them in big and small ways. And for now, that is today's episode. I will be back next week. Stay safe. Stay well. Yeah, that is it for today. Thanks. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll be back every Monday with new episodes. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe or follow me. You can find me on Apple, Spotify, Google, Alexa, wherever you prefer to find your podcasts. You can also follow my Instagram at Pop Into Politics. Until next time, sending good vibes and well wishes to you all. Thanks for listening.